Janelle, uh, you're joining us live today from Dallas, Texas. So thanks for so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know that the market in Texas isn't really impacted as much as uh, the market here in New York, but I uh, wanted to introduce you to my friends, everyone. We are here with Janelle Ralston from uh, Compass in Dallas, Texas. Um, Janelle, tell us a little bit about uh, sort of your background. Uh, I know you and I are familiar with one another, but for all our friends out there who are joining us for the first time, would love for them just to learn a little bit about you, your background, your experience down in Dallas and, and the greater uh, metro area. Absolutely. So um, my business partner, Judy Parsons, and I actually started in real estate back in 2006 as investors, uh, really buying properties, holding some, really renovating and flipping quite a bit, and um, formed our corporation together and started doing that. We rode the market all the way down, almost to the bottom, kept going, um, and then got our real estate license during that time. We sold our last flip in 2011 and got our broker's license and then kind of toyed around for a little while trying to figure out what to do and decided in 2014 to go full-time residential real estate, joined um, coaching with Tom Ferry and um, decided to grow our team, uh, moved over to Keller Williams, did that for a while. And then we joined Compass in 2018 here in Dallas. And um, our market is really downtown. Straight north, uh, there's kind of like a corridor divided by the major freeways here, and we go straight north, venture out on either side a little bit, and then swing out west over to Las Colinas, South Lake, West Lake, uh, Grapevine, and Colleyville. Okay, great. Wow. That's a pretty wide area. So in terms of like a, a radius, what would you say the, the miles are from one side to the other? About 15 miles. We don't go all the way to the west, or sorry, all the way to the east. Um, it gets a little bit um, different, a little bit different demographics over that way. Um, and the, it's a little bit more industrial over in that part of Dallas. Yep. So we've really stayed north and then swing out to the west. It's about 15 miles straight north, but we go, we've gone further than that. Um, everything here is so spread out. So we'll, we go way up north to McKinney. So I know you don't know all these suburbs, but they're way out there. It's like an hour, hour and 15 minutes. We've had clients buy, you know, move from here where we are inside the city and decide they want to go buy a five acre ranch with horses. And so we help them, you know, move out as far as they need to go. Sure. Now, having gotten into the business in 2006, more on the sort of investment side of things, uh, what kind of impact did the last recession have, have on you both personally and professionally? It was pretty rough toward the end of, you know, 2010, 2011, coming into holding the investments that we had the and selling the, the properties that we had renovated. It got really tight, really tough. Um, there weren't a lot of margins to be made there in the end. And it really wasn't a whole lot of fun by the time we got to 2012. Um, this time around, it's a little bit different. I think we're, we're still seeing a lot of activity on the investment side. Um, and a lot of people from other states that we work with that are selling properties like in California um, and doing 1031 exchanges purchasing property here as income generating properties, which 
there's a lot of advantages to do that. Huh. Can you tell us a little bit about the advantages and, uh, and what you're seeing in terms of uh, holding time and uh, you know, return on uh, people's investments uh, you know, on an annual basis? Sure. Um, appreciation here is a lot different. Obviously, states like California, probably New York, your, your property is going to appreciate a lot faster um, in terms of value. Our normal appreciation here is somewhere between three and eight percent. Some areas are greater. They're newer. You know, I've got a lot, a lot of extra infrastructure there, but average in Texas overall is three to eight percent. So when you're buying here, you're not buying for, I'm going to buy and hold it for two years and make, make a ton of money. You're buying property here for cash flow. Um, yep. There's a lot of affordability here. So there's a wide range of rental opportunities for people. So we've had people buy multifamily properties here. They've sold, you know, property in California to two and a half million, come here, bought a 16, 24 unit multifamily property it's just the cash cow just generates cash flow year over year. Wow, that's great. I know a lot of uh, a lot of my friends and clients are always looking for those cash flow opportunities. So Dallas seems like a great great place for that. Now, is, it, is that yeah. because of a you know concentration of uh, sort of a broad spectrum of business um, in terms of you know generating the the, the tenants for those properties? Um, are you looking at sort of market rate tenants? Or are you looking at you know? Section eight type of business. What type of stuff are you seeing? Mostly market rate um, in those areas. There's not in our market area on the north side of Dallas where we concentrate. There's not a lot of Section eight opportunities. Um, those are going to be primarily on the south side of downtown, moving south into suburbs like Lancaster and, and further south. Um, most of our clients that are buying in the northern areas of Dallas, it's it's market rate and um, really counting on the huge amount of growth that is happening in those areas and the number of people here moving to doubt into Dallas and I mean, Texas overall, but Dallas is just, you know, the phenomenal number of people moving in here and, and having to find a place to rent. Oh, now that's that's uh, pretty interesting. So. I understand that, uh, that, that you shifted over from Keller Williams to Compass. Congratulations on that move. I know it was about, what, a, a year or two ago now? Uh, 2018. Yeah. And so uh, can you tell us a little bit about Compass and, and the shift from Keller Williams? I know, you know a, lot of, a lot of us in the business often think about making these shifts and any uh, you know, bumps that you encountered uh, personally and professionally along the way. Um, it, it, changing brokerage is always an undertaking. Um, anytime you do something like that, um, we did it twice. We left a small boutique brokerage when we went to Keller Williams. And so we knew when we made this move, it was going to be even bigger. Um, we loved Keller Williams. There's great people there. Um, they were super supportive of us, um, initially when we decided to, you know, build a team and really embrace that. Um, and we moved to Compass purely, well, not purely, but a lot of um, just the reasons that it opened some doors up into the area of, of the market that we wanted to really expand into um, and helped us take advantage of those opportunities. Rebranding, changing everything, changing the way you do everything um, from top to bottom is always a challenge. 
Um, yeah. But Compass has been a great experience and they have, they've really helped us do that. Um, we've never felt like we were on our own, like, oh my God, what do I do? Um, it's It's been a pretty awesome experience from day one. That's great. Good to hear. I know, you know, Compass is a, is a pretty exciting company. There are a lot of inspiring people that are, uh, you know, on the various teams and in the organization, um, you know, starting with, uh, you know, Rob Refkin, of course, and Leonard Steinberg, who I've known my entire career and admire, uh, both personally and professionally. Um, yeah. So it's good to hear that your experience has been a positive one so far. Um, so, Janelle, tell me a little bit about uh, Dallas and, and the market there, um, a little bit sort of uh, big picture before the pandemic started. So let's say early Q1, January, February, what was the overall uh, uh, temperature there in terms of market activity? Um, we were poised, our office was poised, really our whole market was poised to have probably one of the best years on record for real estate. Um, everything was just ticking up. Um, way past where we were in 2019. Um, and our we had the best year ever for our team in 2019. So 2020 was supposed to be like, uh, you know, rays of sunshine coming down and it was really, really looking good. So um, overall, um, you know, the market here is always strong, uh, but the activity level, both from sellers and buyers, were becoming more aligned. It was becoming a more balanced market, which is better for both sides, better for everybody. Yeah. And, um, you know, seeing a lot of buyers re-enter the market and, you know, sellers putting their homes, you know, listing their homes for sale. Um, it was really lining up to be kind of a banner year. Wow. And so did you have any deals in contract? Because I know I, I, our friends in California... Um, in the business, we're talking about uh, things going to uh, agreement, in other words, going to the contract, but there's that time when you're in this sort of attorney review inspection period when you can retrade it or renegotiate or, or get out of it if you needed to. So when did you see uh, the, the coronavirus pandemic uh, impacting uh, buyers' decisions, uh, if at all? Well, we have been tracking the market week to week um, since about, I guess, toward the end of March, mid-March, when we really uh, went into shelter in place. And initially, you know, we saw the biggest drop down in new listings and properties going under contract pretty quickly. Um, we're down about 65% year over year from where we would typically be right now, April of 2019. And um, so that was, I mean, that was almost initially just like, just like dropped off and things were pretty quiet for a week or two. Um, they come up very little um, as far as new showings and properties going under contract, but it is starting to increase a little bit because of the lag time with closings. Our closings held steady for about two or three weeks. And now we're experiencing that dip in the number of closings that are actually taking place. Um, we're down almost that same exact 65% in the number of, you know, to 65% of what we would normally experience for closings. Wow. We'll probably roll through that for another two, three weeks, depending, because it's starting to uptick on the 
the leading indicators, so the lagging indicators can probably follow suit in about two or three weeks. Huh. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't realize Dallas was impacted that much in terms of, you know, the dip in inventory, the dip in pendings, and, and the pursuant decrease in uh, closing volume. And I think it really, um, our brokerage won, and I know several of the large brokerages here, um, Ali Beth Allman, Abby Halliday, some of the larger Remax uh, brokerages here, really, I guess, impressed on the agents and our whole community that safety and health is our number one concern. Um, and with shelter in place, they really discouraged in-person showings at all. We went totally virtual. Um, if a house was unoccupied, we could put on gloves and masks and take like one or two clients with us um, to go see it. Um, and so we kind of did go through a pause. Um, everybody kind of caught their breath, but it's it's starting to pick back up now. Um, and we'll see what kind of changes come about in the next couple of weeks. And so uh, the sellers that you're in touch with and that are still occupying the homes that were either on the market or are planning to come to the market, what are their thoughts as far as uh, you know, prospective buyers coming to, to see their homes? Most of them are not real thrilled with having people parade through their house that they don't know. Um, it's just, you just have to err on the safety side. And we're really trying to pay attention to how comfortable our clients are moving forward with that. You know, you can create safety protocols and a list of things that agents and buyers are supposed to do when they come to the house. You can schedule your showings three hours apart to make sure there's enough time between buyers to kind of, you know, mitigate some of those safety issues. Um, we've had some sellers say, you know what, I'm just going to sit on the sidelines till June. We've got everything ready to go. We're, you know, we're with you guys. Let's do this. But we want to just sit here for a little bit and figure out what's going to happen. We have some sellers that are like, I I need to sell. Let's, you know, do Matterport. We'll do virtual. We'll grab our phone. We'll do a FaceTime walkthrough, you know, whatever it takes. There are agents and people in our market that are going to the house with their buyers and parading through and going and checking them all out. Um, our office has really discouraged us from doing that. And do you think that that is, you know, specific to Dallas or is that, more of the the company's philosophy in the in the time of you know coronavirus. I think that's really a compass philosophy. Um, our team had a uh, phone webinar, whatever Zoom, with our sales manager on Thursday, and our office is still thinking June first. Even if Texas opens back up, Dallas opens up, our office is saying. Yeah, maybe June 1st. Um, we're not in a hurry and a rush to get everybody back in the office. And we, we want to just kind of err on the cautious side. You know, it's interesting, Janelle, because I, I saw uh, an article the other day about Zillow telling its employees that they can work from home for the rest of the year. Uh, I spoke to a client of mine who was uh, in-house counsel at Goldman Sachs 
Uh, Goldman told their employees that they're not planning to open back up until October 1st. Um, so I think that a lot of these companies are realizing that in terms of the physical office space, uh, they don't necessarily uh, want to take on the, the potential risk of having a, a localized increase in uh, rate of infection you know, within their office or within their company as a whole. Um, and so they're telling people, hey, you know, we've worked, we've, we've worked remotely for all this time. Why increase the risk by coming to the office when we can accomplish just about everything that we need to remotely? So, um, you know, as we're going through this experience, uh, both individually, as a family, as teams and as companies, um, you know, there's, there's bound to be some innovation that comes out of it. And I think that a greater sense of remote, remote workspaces um, and, and working virtually is one of those things that, that are likely here to stay with applications like Zoom. Um, what do you think is likely to come out of this that's, that's maybe a positive? Um, well, I know with Compass, um, they have been very proactive um, from day one, really, and launched a whole new suite of virtual agent, virtual agent services for us to kind of bridge that gap and help us, you know, figure out, okay, here's what I used to do. How am I going to do that now that I can't, you know, go in the office or I'm not with my clients in person? And they put together a whole suite of about 10 different things for us to automatically jump on and start using to bring our, our business up to speed pretty quickly. And I think a lot of, of people are obviously trying to work that way, figure that way out. For some people, it, it takes a little bit longer. It just depends on how big your organization is and what you're doing. Um, it, I think right, right now in Texas, we're, we're waiting for this afternoon. The governor is supposed to come on at about 2.30 this afternoon and do a news conference and really talk about how Texas is going to open up from here, what the timing will be and different levels and, and you know, getting everybody back to work. So we're all kind of waiting to see about that. Um, you know, at the same time, I think your company has to decide what it's comfortable doing. My husband's company is kind of on the same lines as, you know, JP Morgan and some others that have said, we're not in a rush to get back. We're going to figure it out. There is something to being in the office and teamwork and coming in. I know our team was in the office every day. So you miss a little bit of that, but we've got to compensate for it and, and make up the difference in, the, in other ways. Yeah, that's right. I know there are some companies like, you know, JP Morgan and others in the financial services sector that, you know, certain, certain groups within those organizations have been encouraged to come to work because, you know, people, you know, who are traders and, you know, working together and there's a lot of, you know, sharing information in real time, not just on a screen. Um, so, you know, a lot of those companies are, uh, are those that, that continue to work together. Um, but I know that largely, you know, they're, they're going virtual, um, you know, for the, for the longer term. So um, what do you think is likely to happen to our business? as a result of this in terms of, you know, new listings, but also contract volume and, and closings. I mean, do you think we're going to basically pick back up from where we left off, you know, before that dip in inventory and closing volume, or do you think it's likely to increase because of, 
uh, increased buyer interest, pent-up demand, or do you think that sellers are going to have to reduce their expectations and we're looking at softening prices from this point forward? Um, that's a really good question. Um, and we, we get a lot of those same questions from our clients because we have talked with buyers on Friday that said, you know, should we just wait? Should we just wait till June, July? You know, prices are going to come down. Maybe we'll get a better deal. You know, let's hang on for a little while and see what, you know, what happens in the market. We have sellers that are saying, I'm not discounting my price, you know, so I'm not, I'm not rushing to get it back out there. I'm going to wait till the market recovers. There's a lot of unknowns in talking with our clients and just, you know, for our buyers right now, it's interest rates are great. You know, we, we got to take advantage of what, what's out there. What we're seeing is there probably will be some pent up demand from buyers. Um, and people that have been kind of put on hold right now. But overall, I think our market here will gradually pick back up. I don't think it's going to be somebody turns the light on and everything's just back to normal. And there'll probably be some bumps and ups and downs along the way. But I think our market overall will probably by this fall, maybe December-ish, everything holds. We should be finishing out at a relatively good place considering where we were headed at the beginning of the year. Well, that makes sense. I, you know, I, I, I tend to agree with you, um, especially given the stimulus that the Fed put in place. Um, and I, I tend to think that we're going to see um, greater activity than people anticipate the second half of the year, even in the face of the presidential election. And that's based on the pent-up demand uh, yeah. that, that we have as a result of people not being able to do anything you know, in sort of, you know, March and, and now April, and looks like at least half of May, um, you know, assuming that the the state here in New York is able to open back up May 15th, as it's uh, currently forecast, um, you know, I think that, that June and July are likely to be some of the busiest June and Julys on record. Um, and that's, again, because it's an exogenous event, right? The last recession that we saw in 2008 it, it really started with housing and the credit markets. Yeah. And, and this is really broad-based. It's affecting everything because, you know, all sectors are shut down, right? From, you know, the Ford plant to GM, even Tesla was affected. They had to pivot and start making uh, ventilators. Um, yeah. So everything, everyone, everywhere is, is equally affected by this and the shutdown. So once things pick back up, I'm optimistic that the next six to twelve months will um, will will follow suit um, because the stimulus was coordinated not just within the United States but but around the world. And so you saw these central banks come together and and issue uh, record-breaking stimulus, but not only the level of the stimulus but also the the time that it took to roll that out. And then it increased as they realized uh, the extent of the economic fallout from it. So, you know, I, the, the opportunities are those that are happening right now that you're going to see come in the form of closings anytime between, say, June and August, depending on what market you're in. Um, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, we're kind of we're just kind of predicting that our spring market is just shifting into a later time during the year. Right. And um, I, I listened to a really interesting 
town hall, I guess, meeting or a conversation with Mark Cuban this past Friday talking about his you perspective. President, President Cuban? Yeah, President Cuban. <laughs> um, talking about what he, you know, what his view of the impact to business in Dallas was and, you know, his companies and the Mavericks and, you know, all of that going on. And, you know, his perspective was really, we can flip the lights back on, we can, you know, flip the sign from closed to open. It doesn't mean that people are going to rush back in the door. So the smart companies right now are figuring out how can we do what we do for our customers in a better way, in a different way, in a way that makes them feel comfortable, in a way that makes them want to come back through the door. And he said, a lot of these small companies that think they're just going to flip the light on and, you know, be ready to go may struggle a bit unless they take the time up front to figure out what that difference means for their business right now and figure out how they're going to carry forward and serve their clients in a better way once things do start to resume and make sure that their customers want to come back. Yeah. So we do have one question from a, a viewer uh, by the name of Michael Delahanty, and uh, he asked uh, if an investor is looking to purchase in Dallas, Janelle, do you recommend uh, luxury, um, you know, something like the, the Ritz or, you know, wherever, the, you know, our, a friend of ours recently purchased? Um, multifamily, meaning, say, two to three family, a smaller scale multifamily, um, or um, mid-level single-family type of properties? Probably your best rate of return in the investors that, I mean, we have a couple investors right now we're working with um, selling properties in California, coming here and doing 1031s. They're finding the best rate of return is in that mid-level, um, but multifamily on a slightly larger scale. You're talking groups of fourplexes and I can purchase, you know, four of them at the same time. Um, and looking really toward the more affordable rental rate. Um, you've got a lot of people in that band that need a place to live, that need to find someplace they can afford, and they're usually very loyal. They will stay there forever, and they will take care of the property like they own it because they love where they live. And so it, there's a lot of pros to finding properties in that niche, um, and you're population of people that want to rent it is also a lot greater. So that's, we found a few sweet spots around the Dallas area for that. Um, even a couple over in the Fort Worth area by uh, the TCU campus. Um, it's all based on business and where people work. Um, but that's primarily where we've kind of sent our investor groups. I mean, you can obviously go buy something at the Ritz or Museum Tower or wherever. It's fabulous but your rental pool is a lot smaller um, yeah. and you know, you've got to deal with a lot of different issues there. Yeah. So it sounds like what I'm taking from that Janelle is that if you're an investor, you want to be able to diversify and you want to, you want to be able to, you know, have a broad set of prospective tenants. And with those tenants, you want stability and you want someone who is not only going to qualify, but, you want somebody who's likely to stay there for a longer period of time so as not to have the, the turnover and the maintenance that comes with it um, between each tenant. You, you prefer to have somebody stay there for, say, 
three or more years rather than somebody who's going to be there for a year or two and move on. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we, you know, we had, um, that's primarily, I mean, that just increases your cash flow. It increases what you've got to spend to hold on to your property, decreases what you got to spend to hold on to it. And anytime you're turning, flipping the property, you got to come in and put all new everything and paint and carpet and get it back up to rentability. And so, yeah, the stability there is key when you're talking about cash flow and maintenance and having, you know, somebody there to help you manage the property unless you want to do it yourself, which is a different undertaking. Um, you know, it, it all, it's a huge factor in that. Yeah. And it, it sounds like, you know, you're, you're a great person to advise on that, given that's kind of how you got your start in the business, right? We, you know, it's really fun. I love, I mean, it's different than helping somebody find the home of their dreams. Obviously that's a different model, but at the same time, it can be a lot of fun in helping somebody find an investment like that, that can help them then go buy the home of their dreams and, and live in it. So it's all part of the same equation, just a different piece. Um, and it's actually a lot of fun. I enjoy it quite a bit. Awesome. Janelle Ralston, everybody at Compass in Dallas. Janelle, thanks so much for taking your time uh, out to talk with us today. And we appreciate uh, your, your insight as always. Uh, I will, uh, of course, put your contact details in the comments on, uh, on Facebook so that anyone who wants to get in touch with you directly can do so. Uh, I encourage everybody who's watching to like uh, Ruben Team on Facebook and our business page so you can get alerted to future Ruben specials. I'm Josh Ruben in New York with Douglas Elliman. Thanks so much for joining us.